Hi, I'm Dustin J.C. Dawson, uh, Communications Director at Paul Memorial Episcopal Church. I have here with me for the podcast today um, Kirk Waldron, who's been a member here at Palmer Church his whole life, back in 1942, and Alan Nunley, who's been bell ringing here at Palmer since 2005. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so let's uh, let's start with a little history about the bell tower here at Palmer. Kirk, uh, you've, you've overseen it for some time now, right? Yes, that's true. And the history of the bells being reinvigorated at Palmer really starts in 2000. And in 2000, Jim Nutter put together a tour of the cathedrals of UK, Great Britain. So I went on that tour. And so we went to several different cathedrals. I started Canterbury and went on around to three or four different other ones. And so in 2000, I was elected and then appointed the junior warden, one of many junior warden years. But that particular year, I received complaints from mainly the altar guild that the bells were not working properly and they couldn't get them to work. The toller would work, but the other ones really wouldn't work. So I went up there to look to see what the problem was since I was a junior warden. And what I found was a disaster. It was terrible. The um, coverings that we had over the windows had failed, and pigeons had got in there and died, and bats were in there, and there was probably several inches of dead bats and dead pigeons and pigeon droppings, and it was really, really bad. Wow. And, and the bells at that point in time were electromechanical, which meant that they received an electrical impulse from down below, and that caused them to have an eccentric that caused a hammer to strike the bells. So they weren't rung, they were struck. And so several of those apparatuses had failed and they weren't working right. So I thought, wow, this is really, really bad. And so I thought, well, I need to set about trying to find a new set of bells or a new operation or somebody can help us do something about this because this is pretty pitiful. So anyway, that was on my mind we went to the UK. I had done a little research. I thought that most of the foundries that people were using nowadays were foundries that were in the UK. So I thought, well, on this cathedral tour, I know they have bells, and so I'll try to talk to somebody that could maybe put me on the right path to try to find somebody to help us. So that was on my mind. So we went one of the tour stops to Winchester Cathedral. Winchester Cathedral has a ring of 16. We have eight, they have 16. So I thought, well, this is a good place to try to find somebody that can help me. So during our lunch, they have lunch at the cafeteria for our tour group. I thought, well, here's my chance. So I didn't have lunch. I went to the cashier at the cafeteria and I said, can you help me find somebody that I can talk to about the bells. She said, sure, right over there, and pointed over to the place where the serving line was. That lady right there. So the lady she was pointing at had an apron on, and she and her guild had the duty that day of the bell ringer group to serve the meal. That's why she was there. They were all bell ringer people. 
they were all serving the meal. So, you know, talk about divine intervention. And so I went and talked to her for a minute. I said, would you mind coming over here and sitting with me for a few minutes and help me with my mission to find somebody to help me with our bills? Sure, she was very nice. So she went over there and we sat at a table and talked probably too long. And my tour was getting kind of antsy wanting to leave. And I was not wanting to leave till I found out what I needed to know from her. So anyway, long story short, her name was Gail Cater, and Gail was a big-time ringer in Winchester who left there in 2004 and moved to Yorkshire and now rings at North York. And so Gail helped me, and she told me about Alan Hughes and Whitechapel Foundry in London. She said, when you get to London, and that was our last stop on the tour, you go see Alan. So we get to London, and I beg off for a day, I go get on the tube and minded my gap and took the tube way over to the other side of London where Whitechapel was and got off and Whitechapel is an area there. And so I'm wandering around there just lost as the devil. <laughs> Finally found Whitechapel and it was the dingiest, oldest looking thing. I'd, I'd walked <laughs> past it twice. It was just in a terrible, terrible state. And, of course, it was like several hundred years old. It's sure. a really old building. So I go in, nobody in the office. And I look in, there's offices in there. And I couldn't find anybody. So finally, a guy came through the back door. And it was Alan. And I had never met Alan before, obviously. And so he says, can I help you? And I said, yes, I'm from Houston, Texas. And I need to talk to you about bells. And he thought that was, that was pretty Texan of me. So anyway, long story short, I said, I need you to come to Houston and come to my bell tower and tell me what I need to do to fix these bells. So then he said, well, I'm going to Houston next week. Wow. And I said, oh, really? He said, yes, I put a ring of bells in St. Paul's Methodist Church on Main Street. And I said, well, if you just went down a few more blocks, you'd get to our church. Another divine intervention. He's coming here anyway. That is incredible. So I thought I was going to have to pay him to do that. So he's coming here anyway to go look at their bells. And their installation was about complete, and he was working on that part. So anyway, long story short, comes here and comes to Palmer. And I got him up there, and he started puttering around looking at the bells and how terrible our situation was. And so he said, well, I think I can help you. And I said, well, what do you need to do? He said, well, let me take a bunch of measures. He's a measuring guy. He loves to measure stuff. And so he measured our tiny tower, which in relationship to most bell towers is very tiny, which makes it really, really hard for us to operate. And not intended for that sort of thing at all. It's intended for the four bells that we had. Our four bells were installed early 30s, right at the time Palmer really became active. And they were made by the Manili Foundry in Troy, New York, which was pretty common then. Most of the bells before 1950, a lot of them, probably two-thirds of them, were founded at Manili Bell Foundry. So we had four. And our apparatus didn't hardly work. The bells were okay. Our apparatus didn't work. So finally, 
Alan made us a proposal, and his proposal was to take four of the bells we had and send them to the UK and to tune them so that they would become a complement of the nine chiming bells that we now have. We have nine now, four of which are the original bells that have been tuned to become properly a part of that nine. And so then that begs the question for most people, how do you tune a bell? Well, you grind it is what you do. That's how they tune them. Basically, unless they're warped or something, they can grind them and they change the pitch and they have very elaborate electronic instruments, at least Alan does, to tell exactly what pitch they are and they have to be just so. So, armed with that, we were trying to decide how we could fund that. And we were in the process of doing what's called a bridge building here. So we were in the middle of construction right then. And so I was trying to figure out some way to work the cost of this into our construction. And I was part of the construction administration. But at that point in time, uh, our previously estimated $7.5 million project was reaching $10 million. It was getting pretty close to $10 million. People wow, were getting really upset because it had run way over the original architect's estimate was $7.5 million and they weren't even close. Plus, we found a lot of other things that you find when you renovate old buildings, things you didn't anticipate. So anyway, sure. our cost was getting high. So I thought, wow, I don't know really what to do with that. Um, so we thought, well, we're going to need outside help somehow. And so we looked around to see who we might get to help us with the cost of it as a donation. And we remembered that the Brown Foundation helped us with a great deal of the cost of the new organ about, at that point in time, 14 years previously. So we thought, well... It's worth a shot as well. So we contacted the people at Brown Foundation and made a presentation to them. And they approved a matching grant for us for $287,500. Our part was a superstructure to hold the bells up because it was determined that our old tower may not be properly uh, properly uh, designed and properly, uh, I guess, structurally sound for the momentum of swinging bells. Mm. And so we thought, well, we're going to have to put some stuff inside there because we're going to ruin our old tower if we don't do something. So the grant from the Brown Foundation more than paid for the bells. So actually, the Palmers didn't pay for the bells. The Brown Foundation paid for the bells. Wow. And some of the superstructure and then the building campaign for the bridge building paid for the rest of the superstructure inside. And we had to put a superstructure inside the top of the bell tower where the chiming bells are because it was just old timbers and a lot of them were beginning to rot and they were about to fail. So I'd take all that out and put in a steel structure up there that actually is is hooked to the walls 
brick wall and uh, and have something to hold those bells as well. And just how heavy are those bells? Well, there are various different weights. Uh, our big tenor bell was 800 pounds. Is that the largest? Yeah, in the change ring set. Yeah, that's designed to be the largest one. Oh. But the bells themselves are all pretty heavy. I mean, they're sure. hundreds of pounds. Even the light ones are hundreds of pounds. Oh. And so it takes a lot of resistance to uh, combat the inertia of the bell swinging back and forth. So anyway, we, uh, we got that grant and uh, proceeded on to build a superstructure inside. The columns that the change ringing bells sit on are through the floor of the uh, south x south entrance to the narthex and there are drilled bell-bottom footings in the earth to hold those up so they're independent they don't sit on the part of the building at all they're totally independent they hold the change ringing bells so however it is that they swing they're designed not to hurt the building so we did that and uh installed them, took the roof off of the bell tower, and uh, picked the bells out of there that were up on the top, put them in a cargo container, sent them to London, and proceeded to build the bottom so that when they sent all of them back, eight change ringing bells for the change ringing set, and then nine were returned for the chiming set, four of which were already here, tuned to the group. Then we installed them all back, and uh, about 2004, we were back operational again. So that's how they got here. Amazing. Now, Alan knows what he did with them after he got here. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that brings us to, to Alan's part in all this. Just what change bell ringing is and how you came to be a part of it here at Palmer. Sure. Uh, well, I actually learned to ring at another bell tower here in Houston. There's three change ringing towers in Houston. Uh, Kirk mentioned St. Paul's up the street, Palmer, of course, and the place where I learned is St. Thomas Episcopal over near Meyerland. So I learned to ring there uh, starting in 1974 when I was in college at Rice. Uh, Change ringing is uh, ringing bells in an ordered manner, often according to mathematical rules. It's not music in a traditional sense. We don't ring tunes on the bells. the the nine The nine bells are set up with a keyboard, the and so they can you can ring tunes to those. And actually, we have you can do that with keyboard, or there's a machine that'll ring tunes for you, and we've used that before. It's like a caroline that turns it into a caroline, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but the but the change ring bells, the eight change ringing bells, the heaviest which is just around seven hundred pounds, is. Uh, you ring the bells over and over again. It's a group activity, so if you have eight bells, you can have eight bell ringers. And when you begin ringing your changes, the bells will change their relative places. And it can be done in a sort of static manner, whereby calls are made to switch the order of a pair of bells. Or it can be done in a more dynamic way, which the best way to describe the movement is a little bit like square dancing. <laughs> so you, you know your pattern, amongst the other bells and you begin ringing the pattern and you keep doing that unless the customer gives the bell ringing equivalent of do si do so <laughs> you know you basically carry on with your pattern then you jumped into do si do and then you're doing something new after that 
So uh, change ringing started in England uh, probably in about the 16th century. It became a little more mature at that time. Uh, it was actually the 18th century where they were making great achievements in change ringing when actually ring complicated mathematical patterns for three hours at a time. The first time they did that was in early in the 18th century. Uh, since that time, there are now um, in excess of 5,000 change ringing towers in the world, most of which are in England and generally in places where the English have been. So there's, there's about 100 in New Zealand and Australia. There's 60 in North America. And after that, the numbers fall off. There's some in, in South Asia. There's some in South Africa as well. And there's apparently one in Belgium now. So, Yeah, I understand that a change bell ringing is actually something unique in the state of Texas, right? There's like only so many. Yeah, there's just a handful here in Texas. There's uh, one in Dallas, three in Houston, um, and one in Abilene, which actually is not ringable right now. So there's only five in Texas. Wow. that's a, It's a probably pretty tight-knit group of uh, people who generally are part of those organizations, right? Right. And as a matter of fact, uh, about 30 years ago, just over 30 years ago, we put together an annual meeting for the bell towers in this part of the country. So there's two in Arkansas and one in Louisiana and the, and the Texas towers. Wow. So, um, so anyway, we gather together every spring, typically the weekend after Easter and ring. We have our annual, it's called the Seven Towers Festival. So I guess uh, it made its way over to the United States probably around, you said, the late 1800s? Um, actually, it was in the 18th century when it came to the United States. So, the first change ringing tower that went in was the old was the ring that's Old North Church. You may remember Paul Revere. So the reason that Paul Revere could get the lanterns hung out was because he was the ringing master at Old North Church. Yeah. And he had the keys to the tower. And indeed, where they ring is where the lanterns were hung out, one if by land, two if by sea. So those bells were installed in 1745. They still ring them. That's incredible. They still ring them now. I've rung on those bells. <laughs> That's awesome. Actually, I think others of our group have been up there as well. So it's very cool. Anyway, it's quite an interesting thing. It's complicated mathematically. It's uh, it crosses uh, all kinds of lines. The the group of ringers crosses all kinds of lines. So. I will go ring at the Methodist Church. I'll go ring at the other Episcopalian church in town. There's a Presbyterian church in Texarkana I ring at. There are municipal towers that are not associated with anything, anything ecclesiastical or religious. They're just towers for the for the town. One of those up in Massachusetts at Hingham. There's one in a, at an Episcopal uh, uh, nunnery there in in New York. So Brewster, New York. So. There's quite a, I mean, there's, and they're at Catholic churches as well. I, we're running at the uh, Benedictine Monastery in British Columbia. So it's quite cool. But they're mostly in Episcopal and Anglican churches. So I've noticed there's, um, I guess there's two places at the ropes. When they come down from the ceiling, there's the room that you can climb up to in the tower, right? But then also at the bell tower entrance, there's holes in the ceiling where the ropes come down from. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between ringing from there or in the entrance there? Do you want to take that one? Or well, yeah. Take? I mean, the four original bells that I told you about that were originally founded in Manili Foundry in Troy, New York, are original four. 
I had them re-outfitted with wheels so that they can be rung by swinging. So they can be rung either by swinging or they can be rung by hammers. The others are all rung by hammers and they're all done electronically. But I wanted to do that so that the younger generation of Palmer gets an opportunity to ring the bells because they're not going to get an opportunity to ring the change ringing bells unless they learn how to do it, and they probably won't. Kids probably would just as soon go and ring the bells like I did when I was a kid. If you showed up to be an acolyte and you had all your stuff on, your St. Vincent's medal, you didn't forget anything, and your hair was combed and all that, they'd let you ring the bells before the service. <laughs> And we had a, had a uh, sexton that was in charge of all that stuff and everything else at Palmer. And so he would let us go in the bell ringing room, which is kind of like where the altar guild preparation room is now, is in there. And so then you could go and ring the bells. And we thought that was great fun, particularly the tolling bell, because you could hang on to it whenever you ran, because it was so heavy if you ever got the momentum going to pick you up off the ground. So. That was great fun when I was young, and so I thought, well, if they become all electronic and we only have the change ring ones they can't ring, I need to do something for the young people so that they get a chance to ring Palmer bells. So I had extra long ropes and wheels put on those very four, the same four I used to ring. And they go down through the ringing room, and they go down through the ceiling of the South X, clear down to the floor where the people go in the south entrance to the nave and kids can ring them or adults too for that matter at particular occasions like eastern times like that where it's really kind of cool for the kids to get to do that and so that's fun. those same four that I used to ring still ring they can still do it now you know 70 years later they can still do it that's cool and I did that on purpose so that they so, uh, Alan, your team, uh, they ring at uh, which services and at what times during the week? We typically uh, ring during the regular hours, which we just restarted on. Uh, we'll ring in between the 9 o'clock service and the 11 o'clock service. And this morning, and when we can get enough people together to get up early, some of the ringers don't like to get up early, we'll <laughs> actually ring before the 9 o'clock service. And we did that today as well. And so that's on Sunday. We ring for uh, weddings when we're asked to do that. And during the week, we have a practice on Wednesdays. And we probably, that one we have almost every Wednesday of the year. Occasionally, we'll cancel it and go ring with the folks at the other bell towers, which we might do either on a Wednesday or a Monday. But but we're, used, we're probably there 48 or 50 weeks out of the year on, on Wednesdays. That's pretty cool. And how many people do you have on your team? Uh, there, there are about sixteen ringers on our list that are here local. Uh, we have some other one off at college, <laughs> so we don't see him very often. But when he does, when he comes to town, he usually rings with us on a Sunday. That's cool. So you're, uh, it just ranges in all different ages, huh? Yeah. Uh, the uh, yeah, we go from about thirty up right now. We had some kids, but they, they dropped out. I wouldn't mind starting some new kids, but mm -hmm. not we don't have them right now. But anyway, we have quite a number of ringers in in all age ranges. But it does tend to be skewed toward the later years. Right and it's kind of a mixed bag. We have some Brits yeah. that grew up learning how to do that, and 
So they're accomplished ringers, and we have some that teach at Rice, as an example, and we have some true-blooded Texans that know a bell from a hammer that have learned from Alan, and he's taught them how to do it. So we kind of have a mixed bag, young and old. It's a very dialectic group of people that we have from different backgrounds. Fortunately, the ones that are Brits help the ones that are not Brits. Mm -hmm. And so it's really nice, and it's nice for them because they have something here that they can do that they knew how to do that they thought when they came to Texas would never, ever be here at all. And they're not expecting to have a community where they could come right across the street uh, and come over here and ring, change ring bells. So it's been a pretty happy thing for them to be able to do that. That's awesome. We're really glad to have them, too. Yeah, I think it's... It, such a cool part of uh, our community and parish and it's it's a connection to to our history our anglican history and as well as um i guess our nation's history as well <laughs> that's absolutely is, i had no idea that's very interesting um but so glad to have it here at this and it's, it's cool just right here in the middle of herman park too in the medical center and rice university uh even before i was here at palmer i, I remember hearing the bells in the park so it's a it's a cool thing to hear, but yeah, it's uh, it's oh, really a, a way for us to to uh, contact the uh, the community. It's really outreach. Is really what it is. That's yeah. exactly what it is. And it's evangelism as well. It's outreach and evangelism. Evangelism as well. And, uh, you know, in addition to participating in the life of the parish, as we do. Uh, Last year, for example, was the city was just starting to, I won't say dry out, but get started after Harvey, right? Uh, one of our other ringers put together, a, frankly, a very moving service of ringing the bells with certain meanings and such. And that was done basically the first time Palmer was open again after Harvey. And, and as a matter of fact, yesterday we kind of did that not quite on the exact anniversary, but close. We just it was the so the second year we did it. We did that. We did the service again, and it's not and it's not a service with folks downstairs. But we're going off our script because we ring, you know, uh, special memorial ringing for the the folks that were lost. Um, how we had to live through the storm. There's a bit of ringing that's a little tumultuous. <laughs> and then and then it sort of smooths out. So anyway, we we did ring. Uh, to basically show that the church was open, we're here, we're we're back, and we did that again yesterday. So, so the mission of the bells really is to call people to church. Mm -hmm. That's where that all started, thousand years ago. Uh, Winchester really came into existence in the 600s, and the Saxons were at Winchester Cathedral for a while, and they built it church called Old Minster and then the Normans came and they uh, conquered that part of England and drove the Saxons out and the Normans took over and so the cathedrals there including Canterbury all come from that time and the purpose of the bells was to invite people to come to church because most of the population couldn't read and write so it didn't do them any good to put out publications telling them what time to come. They taught them that if they heard the bells, they could come to church. And so that was the 
purpose of the bells and the ringing. And that's basically what Alan does. He rings people into church. That's the whole point. That's what yep. they're doing. The same exact thing they did a thousand years ago. Exactly the same purpose. Bring people into church. Fantastic. Well, thank you all both so much for being here. And thank you so much for your part with the bells and the, and the building of the bell tower, which is an incredible part of this parish. But uh, thank you again for being here. Thank you for My pleasure. Us. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us to tell the story. It's a great story.